We now join this podcast already in progress. Okay, we only started 13 minutes late this time. That's fine. That's fine. All right, let's do it. We're already doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, found it works better if I just roll. Yeah, that definitely did. What well, we should we probably before we get started should introduce <laughs> the fourth We're- member of the podcast. We're very excited to have Sam Fells with us. I so. can't do this on the podcast; no one will see it. But yeah, all right. You can introduce me at the beginning. Well, it's fine. I like to be announced wherever I go. Oh, we're on. Yeah, we've, we're this on. Is, this is us doing this now. This is, we're doing it now? It's yeah, on? We're already live. There's no intro or no. anything? Sam, in oh, the upper right, up on that there's ago. no intro. We should record one intro that has like a lot of like air horns. It's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It says live right yeah. there. <laughs> well. Tweet it out to all your followers. Happy to be here. <laughs> so, Thanks That's for awesome. joining us, Sam. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored and horrified that I've been asked to be on this. So you bring some uh, credibility to the thing, right? That can't possibly be true, but but thank you for saying it. I don't know if this podcast could handle any credibility. <laughs> I think this is where credibility goes to die. Yeah, that is true. I used to be a respected lawyer. All right, so we're going to do two things different this week. Different Sam has joined, and we're going to try to give this thing a little structure. Kyle is going to be in charge of getting us in and out of topics. So good luck. Yeah, <laughs> a lot a lot of responsibility, newfound responsibility. I think uh, the overarching goal is uh, to get me to actually fucking talk a little bit. So. <laughs> so can I clarify though, Dolan? Kyle is in charge of switching topics, but I'm still in charge of killer segues, right? Of course. Thank Only you. And I'm, still in charge of, and I'm still in charge of missing them completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. Do you want to introduce it? As the pod, as the Discipio, whatever the hell you called it, podcast, the Andy it's, Dolan podcast hour featuring Discipio. Yes, that's that's exactly and, what it is. Andy Dolan podcast hour featuring Discipio, brought to you by the Mike Brat Law Firm. <laughs> Thank you for the plug, Michael at mbratlaw.com. Call me with any of your real estate questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but it's not up for me. It's. it's yeah. <laughs> That was probably an ethics violation, anyhow. So yeah, this up. whole thing's an ethics. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's give it a go here. All right, so we believe in you, Kyle. <laughs> Cubs are out in Denver for three this week. Won the finale today, and we figured it'd be a good time to bitch about. Uh, well, I'm going to bitch about Coors Field, and Mike's going to tell us what he loves and hates most about Colorado. <laughs> Go ahead and get your rants out of the way. Mine's going to be nostalgic, good feeling. I'm a happy guy now, guys. <laughs> I, I've always I've been to that ballpark once. I love the view. Had a great time. I just hate watching baseball games there because it turns the sport into a fucking pinball match. Like any pop fly obviously has a chance to get out, and then they compensated for that by making the outfield absolutely massive. So, you know, you get these – Daniel Murphy. Well, I guess it was only a double the other night, but it should have been a triple. If it was anybody normal running, it would have been a triple to the to the right field corner. So I I just get irrationally mad um, watching watching those games because it takes what you normally expect and completely turns it on its head because you're playing on the moon. It kind of is a different game of baseball. It's like when you go. It's like when people try and tell you you know you've been playing for like a 12 inch slow pitch league and they're like fill in for our 16 inch team and it's like oh but that's a that's a different game. That is not the same. And that's kind of what they're doing in Coors Field. Is that a good analogy, Kyle? That's a very good analogy. And I, I'm, I'm playing on my first 16-inch team this summer, oh. so we'll see how that goes. Welcome to Chicago. <laughs> Thank you. Boy. Oh, Kyle, Kyle stole all my thoughts. So I clearly <laughs> don't need to be here. <laughs> no, you need to be here. So, Kyle, what, so I don't know if you can see this right now, but this one. You're gonna if you're oh, playing God. first base as I assume you're going to, you're gonna yeah. start getting 16 inch fingers. It's oh, fun. nice! Can't wait for that part. <laughs> you probably have bigger hands than I do, though. Now, by by 16 inch fingers, do you mean his fingers will all be 16 yes. inches long? Yes. yes, yes, they just slowly grow uh, out. <laughs> grow out your nails if you can't get your fingers to grow. Good out. old kielbasa hands. Um. So, I appreciate the rant, Kyle. I 
I'm just going to have a little bit of nostalgia for you guys because I think baseball is a game of nostalgia. So I I want West Coast trips. You know, I know the Rockies are. It's it's very weird thinking about how what a, what infants the Rockies are in the in the baseball grand scheme of things. When they said the other day that Bodie's Bodie grew up watching rooting for the Rockies, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> now we're all old. But um, there's something about those West Coast trips for the Cubs that there's this very um, nostalgic feeling in me where it's like it's it's this it's this feeling of like getting up to stay up late to watch a game and like there's some cool about the start times and like you just kind of you know sit down and 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 are watching baseball till the wee hours sometimes um i kind of like those west coast trips i've had a similar thought in the past and uh along those lines it takes me back to you know the i guess the beginning the first couple theo years the first three years 2012 through 14 when every every night you sit down to watch the cubs and cubs twitter at the time was like six people and three of them were tweeting live stats from hobby Baez and single a and, and dolan other- dolan was accounting for 95 percent of the of <laughs> exactly exactly instead so, of 68 percent right <laughs> <laughs> so these, these west coast games take take me back to that a little bit and i certainly yeah. don't miss those days but uh i i guess i miss the sentiment every once in a while i feel like the west coast games were the only times when higher jim Essien was actually up when the shout box w- should have been viewable to the general public. Like at that time, <laughs> like that showtime after hours when Fork I remember was, the shout box. <laughs> <laughs> when Fork was tweeting out pornography, like live <laughs> tweeting pornography in it. That was like a that was like a West Coast start time for the shout box. Well, if it makes you feel better, he's still doing that. <laughs> Except now he's in it. Right. Yeah, right. That's just, that's he does it during different. Vegas Golden Knights games now. <laughs> he redefines ballroom dancing. Yes, indeed. Here's another thing that angers me about Coors Field. They start their games at 6.40 local time. <laughs> now, I've spent a lot of time in Denver. I have a very close friend who lives there. No one works in Denver, so I don't know why they need to get these games done early. Like, they feel they need to. I mean, I guess I, the stadium's sort of right downtown, and they figure – Oh, people will just walk over. No one is in downtown Denver. I've never seen one live human being in downtown Denver other than in Coors Field and the one time I was there for Pride Parade. Well, Other than that, no one's there. So I don't know why they feel like they have to get their games out of the way early. Let me play devil's advocate on the other side. Maybe because okay. they're not working. Because like I know a 640 start in Chicago would be difficult for a lot of people to make with Chicago traffic. And trying to get down, well, I'm a suburbanite, but trying to get down to the city. But maybe they're assuming because no one's working, they can easily make a 640 start. Maybe. I'll go with you on that. <laughs> I still think it's weird. Cincinnati was doing it when the Cubs were there this year. So, like, the games were starting at, like, 530 here, which was just a very odd yeah, time. that's true. There's a rhythm to this, and they're screwing it up. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know? Cincinnati just starts their games whenever the fans can get there. <laughs> which is never. That to be the the Cup series is the only series of games that they've actually started in Cincinnati this year. <laughs> like, oh my God, you guys, we're gonna have to put a game on. Everything else has been simulated. <laughs> so, I get, Mike, you'll love this because I'm going to talk about my Twitter feed. Oh, but I got, <laughs> I got crap because I I didn't I wasn't like you know I wasn't doing standing ovation police. But it was they showed the standing ovation Carlos Gonzalez got for his first at bat at Coors, and because there's so many Cub fans there, it looked really dumb because they show the crowd and it's a bunch of Cub fans standing up thanking Carlos for the games he played for the Rockies. I thought maybe the Cub fans could have sat that one out and maybe just politely applauded while the few Rocky fans actually stood up and cheered him. It just looked really strange. Yeah, I'm not going to apply rules of logic or decency to traveling Cubs fans. <laughs> so, and and that, I mean that 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 probably applies to most traveling fan bases, and the Cubs are just larger. Yes, but yeah, I'm you know that's that's kind of like the same boat, and not to part back on where I where I come from, but like traveling Hawks fans who still cheer during the anthem in other buildings. Yeah, that's it's like no, 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 we, we don't do that here. You know, that's our thing. Now it's disrespectful. Yeah. Um, um, Why well, think Cardinal fans would have known what to do? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, before we get away from the Rockies, speaking of cargo, who do you guys have? One of those players in your head 
that has played for the Cubs that you know you're going to forget played for the Cubs. But then you're like, how could I forget that a player of the caliber of Carlos Gonzalez played for the Cubs? Because, I mean, Cargo was the hotness for a, at least a season. Everyone wanted that guy. Like, there, there. I feel like there's a, a fair number of Cubs where I'm like, oh, man, we had that guy. Why weren't we better? Does, does he have to be better than Matt Lawton? No. Matt Lawton's a fine choice. Shit, we could probably build a roster out of these guys. <laughs> yeah. I should probably. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't. I would remember the Cal Daniels play for the Cubs if he hadn't fallen down between yeah. third base and home and caused yeah. the game. That's I mean, I I forget that Jim Edmonds was the Cub. That maybe that I just blocked that out. Um, that but like, I have to be reminded. I'll never be able to forget that. Yeah. I forgot that he was actually good for them. Yeah, yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, which is what they're hoping to get out of cargo, but they won't. Is the so. thing. <laughs> like, so. but, like, but I think my guy. Not that I would forget, and obviously because I'm bringing it up, I obviously didn't forget. But I think my guy is going to be Carlos Pena, because Carlos Pena was a pretty damn good baseball player for a while there, and then he was just the least one of the least memorable Cubs ever, I would say. I remember Carlos Pena because he was in that dark age where you were still trying to explain to like most Cub fans what was important. <laughs> yeah. Because like like Carlos Pena batted like one ninety four. Yes, but his on base was like three forty. Like yeah. he just walked and homered, and that was it. Yeah, or struck out. So you're like, no, actually, he's it's a productive fine. player. And he turned into a very good defensive first baseman. Yeah. yeah. But like people are like, oh, this guy's only hitting one ninety. Send him to like. I'm like, but you're like, no, it's that doesn't really matter, you know. And you're just. Like, oh, they're never going to get it. They're never going to understand. Well, and he obviously, like, I, I think a lot of those guys that played for very bad, like, I think the reason we remember that Jim Edmonds was a Cub better, and I agree with you, Sam, that he was going to be one of the names that I brought up. But I think the reason a lot of people remember Jim Edmonds because he played for good, like, he, they were good playing game, yeah. baseball. When, when, and, and Edmonds was, at, you're, like Kyle said, was actually contributing at that time. So, um, but like, and then Pena, of course, was just in one of the dark ages of Cub baseball, which is most, most, <laughs> which is most still yeah. most, still um, the overwhelming percentage. Yes. Um, so that's another, I mean, like, and then you have to, you have to be a guy like, and I'll obviously be a good player, but like a Castro that's going to stand out in a time like that and be fun to watch. Like if this team sucked right now, and I was actually thinking of bringing up, and then maybe we should do this next week. <laughs> Who would be our favorite Cub right now if they sucked? Is no, no, I, no. I was gonna say if we, I, I, I suggest maybe we do a little bit of research and do this next week, position by position. I think this team is better than 2016, right? If you just took, if you just took each position player and each starting pitcher, the bullpen, I think, is where it falls apart a little bit. But like, I think a this lot. team is better than 2016. You could you could debate center field offensively for sure. Sure. Um, no, you can't because they don't really get anything out of center field <laughs> offensively right now. No, um, I mean I think that's what Kyle's saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to open this can of worms unless we want to. Yeah, it's close. I mean, position by position, yes, you're right. It's 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 very close. And the rotation is, I think, clearly better. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, look at look at just Throw throw shortstop and catcher out there. Look at the upgrades in those two positions from what they had in 2016. Yeah. Well, Contreras was there for half the year. Yeah, but I mean. He was a rookie. So. Yeah. Ross was the star. And even rookie, yeah, rookie Contreras was very good. But Contreras, I mean, his defensive game has improved significantly. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't mean to open this can of worms. <laughs> throwing it out we'll next week. Close but, the can of worms yeah. if you can. Although, Everyone, yeah. do your research, and that will be my only topic for next week. Well, one one guy who we can definitively say has had a better year than he did in 2016 is hey, uh, my beloved namesake and our large adult son, Kyle Schwarber. How about Kyle Hendricks? As good as Hendricks was in 2016, like he's matured into a. Well, be a little careful. He did win an ERA title. <laughs> right. I, know. Like, I know. And um, I think Lester has been well, – I haven't, see, I haven't looked at these numbers yet. That's why I just threw it out there. I'm pretty sure Lester has been better this year. Well, I just – Hamels and 
and Darvish over Lackey and yeah. Hamill. Yeah, exactly. that's where they've improved. Because yeah. Lester is not Lester's not as good this year as he was in twenty sixteen. He was pretty He's, awesome in twenty sixteen, I guess. Um, but he's still good, which we would not have been I'm not sure how convinced of. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm not all I'm not, grit. Yeah, I mean he really does like he is like the argument for people like, oh, it's about heart and grit. Like he's it because like the fastball's lower, you know, he can't really hit the spots anymore. He does get hit hard, and yet he just grit he just muscles yeah, through he, it. I don't yeah. I don't I don't know that I understand it. Yeah. So anyhow, I, there's a nice teaser for next week. Let's not talk about right. it ever again. <laughs> it's always good to drop a teaser for next week when your podcast has been going for seven minutes. <laughs> yes. I will forget. And, right. For and not sure. only that, but tease it and we won't do it next yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> no, we won't sure actually come around that. again. You know what? You guys at home, this is the home game for this podcast. Debate it at home. Maybe throw a whiskey glass. <laughs> Let's, if just you get wait. Really Let's give them about five minutes to debate. <laughs> Okay. Well, we're gonna leave. That was that was my attempt at a segue yes. into, into short. He, he teed up the namesake, and then Mike took it. That's true. Sorry. So his other uh, yeah. his other namesake, not not even Kyle Loesch, but Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> um. So for whatever reason, maybe because he has a radio show and he has to say wacky, crazy things, but uh, Cap has doubled down on this idea that <laughs> Kyle Schwarber sucks. And it's amazing because he picked the worst possible time to make this argument because here's Kyle's June. And this is about cap hasn't been making this argument all of June, but this is Schwarber in June, 295 average, 347 on base, 636 slugging, 983 OPS, four homers and 11 RBIs leading off every time he's played. He's solved that problem. Um, But this is what infuriated me. So Cap does this to stir up an argument because he's got, you know, three hours of radio to kill every day, which is fine. Um, But then their other bald moron, um, Jesse Rogers, comes on. They have a selection over there. Yes. And um, he comes on, and it's um, Yurko and um, what's his name? The guy who never will make a definitive statement about anything. Um, Brett Taylor. Carmen. (laughs) Carm says, hey, Schwarber's doing pretty good. He's he's red hot. And um, Jesse goes, well, he was one for five last night. Jesus. With a homer. So the one, you know, the, in fact, in his bad night, he hit a home run. But Jesse still got mad. Anyway, here's the stat that I, I found very interesting as I was looking up his June. Um, this is Kyle's split this year against lefties. For his career, he's a 196, 311, 336 batter against lefties. But in wonderful 2019 270 356 486 842 holy shit that's pretty good so he's now no longer now he's not only no longer a liability in left field he's no longer a liability against left-handed pitchers but let's just keep saying that he's an american league part-time player so here's what you do shift him to center (laughs) teach him to play center field put brian out in left Shift Baez over to third. Slide our old boy Addison Russell back into short. You guys are solid. Or I guess you could move Bodie over. Put Addison in a second. I don't know. Could they handle the speed upgrade in center? <laughs> I'm not sure that they could. <laughs> I do remember when they were – it was after 2015 when they weren't clear what they were going to do in free agency and all that. That They thought about Brian in center. Like, could we do this full time? Because they did it a few times um, in the 15 season. He would, like, shift out there and double shifts or late in games or whatever. And they would play him in the outfield a lot. It's like, well, he's fast. Maybe he could do this, you know. They're like, yeah, Bryant in center, Travis Wood in left field. Um, which would have been fun. It would have been a cute experiment for about two weeks. It would have been like Alfonso Seriano in, in center. That was a cute experiment for those couple of years. <laughs> It almost kind of not. No, it didn't almost work, but it was, you know, <laughs> nice try. I, I, oh, go ahead. I have, I have loved and defended Kyle Schwarber dearly from the time he got called up. So this has been uh, a happy, happy uh, couple weeks here now. Um, I've like, people don't understand. He is so close to being an insanely valuable player. Like if he like one more single per week, and I know that's not the greatest, like, you know, 
that's a legitimate thing. Like it is. It is. Thank you, Crash Davis. Yeah, Yeah, that's 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 exactly. There was between a two fifty and a two seventy hitter. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm as big a Kyle Schwarber fan as you guys. I don't I don't know that he was handled correctly because they they put him in the leadoff spot two years ago, right? It was seventeen when he was they first tried this, and he was still walking a lot, and his at bats were good. You know, he just wasn't he wasn't getting a lot of luck. He wasn't he was striking out a lot, but he was walking a lot. And he was doing everything they told him to do, like take a lot of pitches, work at bats. And then like they got a month and a half into it and he hadn't quite hit yet. They're like, well, this isn't working. It's like, well, yeah, but he, this season started the exact same way. He, he gets in the leadoff spot. He takes a lot of pitches. His at bats are good. Isn't quite getting the results. But this time they're like, oh, we're going to actually stick it out. And now they're getting this. And it's just like, well, maybe if you just stuck it out before, we wouldn't, have been, we wouldn't have had to do this for a year and a half. I do all think it helps. I do also think it helps this year that they kind of let it happen organically. Like they put him there and it worked and they kept him there as opposed to before 17, we got three months of Joe Madden telling us how, and I'm not the, a Joe Ripper by any means, but we got three months of him saying how great, you watch Schwarber, <laughs> <laughs> how great Schwarbs in the leadoff spot was going to be. So I think there's something to that too, but I mean, yeah, he sort of earned his way up there because he was hitting seventh or whatever right. and had a great on base and his at bats were good. So they like, well, he's the best candidate now, so we're going to well, try it. We're going to do this. Yeah, and the timing was – it was low risk because at the time they moved him there, they had a 296 on base average in the leadoff spot. Bad. So everybody who had played there had been terrible. <laughs> so he wasn't going to be worse. And you know, now that he's proven he's better, it kind of ended that argument that he shouldn't <laughs> be there. And as so, silly as it sounds, the Dexter Fowler shadow is less now because like after 17, you're – you know, you're coming out of that, and everyone remembers how good Fowler was, which he's he he's, he was never ever going to be as good as that again. Right? Like you got his free, you got you got two free agent years out of Fowler because the Orioles are idiots. Yeah. And so then it's like, well, he's not comparing to what we had last year. Like, yeah. Well, the guy's not here, and we don't have anyone else. But now, like, we've sat through two seasons of not really having a leadoff guy. So I think people are a little more accepting of, well, this one's pretty good. We don't have to compare them to something that happened three years ago. I get it. It's, it's the 85 Bears syndrome, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the case until they win again. So fair enough. But Yeah, I feel like, yes, of course, Dexter. Like, doesn't it seem like the Cubs are always struggling with figuring out what a leadoff hitter should do? Most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was like Veneer and then Fowler. I don't really remember anyone in between. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kenny Lofton Gl- for those Glanville, two months, yeah, right? Glanville no. didn't probably didn't lead off much. But. And, and I bet if I went and looked back at like Lofton's and Grenzlonek's actual numbers from like 2003, you'd be like, this isn't actually that good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I feel like they're not really, they don't really know what it does, except that you have to be either a center fielder or a second baseman, dude. Yeah. I mean, Dust- Dusty has a, Dusty's got the formula. Your center fielder leads off. Your second baseman bats second. I mean, the lineup makes it third. Yeah, right. But then Hank Aaron bats cleanup. But (laughs) the Schwarber thing, like this, maybe leads back to. I think we talked about it last week or the week before, which no one listened to. But um, the just rank your guys in order and just hit them that way. They're kind, yeah, of, they're, I'm kind of, they're kind of close to that. With, yeah, they're almost there, really. With Brian, like Brian, and Brian, Brian up Rizzo Baez part that is yeah. one, two, three. But, and it's nice having Kyle bat lead off because when that when the lineup rolls around, instead of having some, you know, if somebody at the bottom of the lineup gets on on a normal team, you've got the pitcher and then some slappy. Yeah. For the Cubs, all of a sudden, first you got Cole Hamels. You got power, and, yeah. and then you get and Schwarber. I, and I will say, I, I I think Madden's getting to this with Schwarber's recent hot streak um and i all of my problems with joe madden just for the record are all off the field really um but God um damn you uh, um but who is this guy again he's um he's he's pitching he's batting the hitter his pitcher eighth which gives you another hitter at nine because why wouldn't you want schwarber following right. someone who actually might get on base yeah. yeah and the past few games he's done that which which i really like and that's that was the point of batting your best hitter second and you're a really good hitter first, you know, one through three being instead of four and moving your hitter up to eight, you get, you get someone else in front of them. And I, I, I think we'll probably see it more often as long as Schwarber's hitting. 
I think the only thing about like ranking, just essentially ranking them in the order that they can hit and, and putting them in that lineup is I feel like that's like when you were in grade school and they would hand out your tests in the order of how well you did on the test. They and, did so that you'd too. Know, and so you'd know if like you were early on, like you were at the low end or the high end, however your teachers did it. So like it'd be awkward for Madden. To <laughs> what have kind to have of that. sadistic fucking grade school did you go to? What the <laughs> hell is school. that? Catholic school. Catholic school. That's how the nuns were yeah, stacking the, the papers? No um, wonder. So the uh so but Madden, it's gotta lead to some awkward locker room conversations. If Rizzo's like, why am I hitting second today, Skip? It's like, oh, I'm thinking yeah. those conversations are awkward anyway. You know, it's a baseball clubhouse. Everybody's why naked you, and drunk and you know yeah. spraying things on each other. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think he was texting the lineup out? <laughs> to, to avoid that. That's why. <laughs> he wasn't even at the game. <laughs> he leaves early. Yeah. He gets in the RV in the fifth inning and he just drives around. Well he's gotta go check he's gotta go check the restaurant. With this bu- with this bullpen, I wouldn't blame him. I'm out of here. I don't need to see this part. Is it my duty as a rabid Madden defender to dig into Sam's off field beefs with Joe Madden right now? Or is this just, I mean, the only, the only beef I have is he, he talks a lot and he doesn't really have anything to say. (laughs) That's the, (laughs) that's the whole point of this podcast. What do you, (laughs) that's our job. Fair enough. But like, it doesn't have to be his job. You don't like the pseudo intellectualism? Well, so. the difference is we will tell you we have nothing to say and we're wasting your time. See, he I think, thinks he's actually giving you oh, yeah, he's, with nuggets. He's right. so he, like, that though. Joe I is convinced he he's to fuck with the media a little bit. He absolutely does, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is it's yeah. I, I, I've always thought it's all fucking calculated with that guy. He knows yeah. what he's doing. He knows when he goes and says dumb shit in front of the you know, media, the attention's on him. The attention's off his yeah. players, and I think that's his entire point for his Fair, and I think some of it is to entertain himself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, he talks to the media. He has talked to him twice a day. And think about who he has to talk to. He has to <laughs> yeah, talk to I, Jesse. I get you there. He has to talk to Gordon. Gordon. To Sullivan, <laughs> right? Well, Sullivan's not on the beat, so I guess. And so Let's I think just, part of it is, you know, how Dolan, Madden is the coolest guy in that room at, at those press conferences. <laughs> by, oh, by far. Quite a bit. He's the coolest yeah. guy in that room, unless Baez is standing next to him. But think about how, like, like, what's our biggest beef with Ryan Dempster? It's the whole, he thinks he's hilarious. And the reason he thinks he's hilarious is because sports writers oh, laugh wow. at everything. If a baseball player says it and it's remotely funny, they act like it's the funniest thing ever. I guarantee you it's the same with Joe. If he makes a, a semi-coherent point, they act like he's Aristotle. And they're like, oh, listen to this. Pearls are falling. Yeah. But I also think I think there's a I think there's always been a method to the madness, especially when he first got here and he had a young team. The more he talked to the media, the less they had to. That's and they could out. just kind of do their shit and get get their stuff and right. <laughs> do whatever. Transcribe everything. Some the of them I would think at some point got tired of it because they're like, you know, I'm good and I would like to I would like to be more visible. But but actually, I guess athletes now, they don't give a shit about the media. They've got their own way of getting their message out. They're happy to let Joe have a puppet show while they're <laughs> right. doing other stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think there's probably something to that. There's still the amount of noise that's there. Whether it's calculated or not, it's it's all there. Yeah. And it can get it can wear on you a little bit. Now, I don't, you know, I, I my only complaint with him as a manager is I, I thought he'd be a little more creative with his bullpens, but his bullpens have either been hurt or bad. Um, you know, he's a little, um, uh, what's the word touch, not touch tone, but whatever, you, you know, you automatic, automatic shift on these things. And yeah, yeah. Cause there are things like, like Mike Montgomery does not get lefties out. No, yeah, he never has. still use him like he's a lefty specialist. He's not. And, and that's and, the kind of stuff that Joe is not supposed to, he's not supposed to do that. He's right. supposed to be the one who knows when this guy's got reverse play. I mean, he always talked about it in Tampa. He had bullpen where he would, and he would do that. He had, what was the, that's great when I bring up a guy and I can't think of his Mark, name, but um, he had a lefty oh, who oh, couldn't oh, get yeah. lefties out and got righties out. And he only used him against righties. So yeah. I think that's what we all thought we were getting. Yeah. Um. So, and, and the 2016 playoffs, Joe's bullpen usage almost gave me a, a heart. Yeah. And we don't need to, that show has been done. But, um, so. but um, the show is done every day at 9am on ESPN 1000. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. But Sam, I would just suggest, why are you watching the post game? Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't watch off. the pre or post game, but you know, it gets on your, 
feeds or whatever. You can't avoid it. You're you one, can't ignore it. Like you can't avoid it. Away, you're one step away from me, so I don't watch the pre or the post or the during part of the of most Cubs games. <laughs> well, okay, so good. Yeah. Nothing right. Joe does. And, well, if I aspire to be you, I'm on the right track. The only thing is, I like, don't really, but oh. I know no offense, but no. so because you don't watch the games, one of the things you missed today. Mike was Steve Ciszek got taken out during batting practice <laughs> by a Brandon Kinsler throw to him in the shin. Oh no! So yeah, he had to, they, they, they had to put him on a cart and drive him off the field. Oh, they they diagnosed him with a bruised knee. It's the worst injury the Cubs have had in batting practice since uh, Ken since Ken Hubs died. Ruin my own joke. Is he legit okay or was that well, a roundabout no, way Ken to Hubs, get to Ken Hubs? Ken Hubs is dead. Yes, I was. I went all that way to get to a Ken <laughs> Hub joke that I flew. You go all the way out. Wait, come who got, all the way. So Ciszek hit Kinsler or the other no, way? Yeah, Kinsler, other way Kinsler and Ciszek were playing catch, and uh, they showed it. They actually had they like, saw, uh, one of them, they had, like the stadium cam shot of it. And Kinsler did this weird thing where he like it looked like he was pitching, but he was he was throwing as hard as he could, and he like crow hopped towards him, threw it too low. Ciszek missed it, hit him in the knee. Ciszek was flat on the ground, wouldn't move, looked like he died. They finally got him up and they had to put him on a Cushman and drive him off the field. And he's, so whichever he's day-to-day guys, with a bruised knee. So whichever of you guys said that the, no one in Colorado works, what about that guy that had to drive yeah. C-Check off the he field? He was pissed, I'm sure. He's, he's, one. he's working hard. He was working, yeah, he was working hard. So if you count C-Check, that would have been, what, five people that got hit today? Yeah. For those of us who mm-hmm. watched the game? That's how bad the beanball war got. It started before the game. That's how committed the Cubs were to it. They were practicing it before the game. I'm going to give you my segue, Kyle. I'm putting it over your little head in the lower corner. (laughs) I'll take this one. This is my favorite. And again, I come come from the land down under. I, I come from the land of hockey where stupid shit like this happens on a nightly basis. I don't understand. Like... We know that they weren't throwing at Bryant, but like, well, you got to protect your guys. So the theory would be that because Cole Hamels hit Nolan Arenado today to begin with, because Bryant had been hit in the previous game, some pitcher in the future is going to be like, hmm, I can't throw inside to Chris Bryant, perennial MVP candidate, because if I do, one of my guys might get hit. And he's going to think about all this on the map. Yes. So that's your theory. There, it, it even goes beyond that. There were people today who said it went back to last year when yeah. Bryant got hit in the head in Colorado. So they saved this all up for a year to get their payback today because he got hit twice last night on top of it. It makes no sense at all. Right. I think Javi's revenge is better. Just yes. hit the ball 450 feet. And not only hit, hit the ball 450 feet and just stand at home plate for like a minute and a half. He didn't even budge. He just stood there and watched it. Rizzo, who had gotten hit in the ass right before that, is almost home by the time Javi decides to take off for first. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, I'm 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 very anxious for the Cubs trip to San Francisco because I feel like a Baez Baumgartner matchup could could start a war, and uh, I'm here for it. Um, because yeah, like the, the Giants already hate. Bias. They already hate him. So if he were to homer off Bumgarner, we we could really get something there. And yeah, the, I, I want it. The giant hate goes all the way back to 2016. Yes. With, with Hunter Strickland. Yes. Oh, During yeah. the regular season, throwing a fit at Javi for and, and he was getting Javi out and he was <laughs> mad at him. And then during the rally in game four, Javi gets the Javi gets the series winning hit off of Hunter Strickland. Yeah, it was I mean, it wasn't the best moment of that October, but man, was it a good one. Just give it a nice flavor. Anyway, that's my beanball rant. If you guys have more, please, by all means. Yeah, the, the beanball setup, like uh, in terms of like a larger scale play, I, I, th- I don't know why this sticks out so uh, soundly in my memory, but that, that random uh, Brewers Cardinals NLCS from like 2011 or whatever it was when they had been thrown at each other for the couple series leading up to that. And they go in the game one of the, the playoff series, NLCS, and Larusa immediately plunks the first brewer. So benches get warned. And then that way, if one if one slips out of the brewer's starter, their starter gets tossed. Yeah. And that was classic fucking Larusa Cardinals stuff. So, so well, my I'm, only I'm glad that's not around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my only my only beef with with as it is with a lot of 
There's a lot of dumb, not my only beef. I think that I think the throwing at guys is stupid and it, whatever people get hit like, and, and it's meat headed to throw. Obviously guys are intentionally getting hit occasionally. It, that is the dumbest goddamn thing you can do. Like you're it. The, the punishment is stupid. You're putting a guy on base. You don't throw a 95 mile. And if you're going to hit a guy, hit him in the ass which is still stupid because like you never know what could happen. But my, my biggest beef is that the, the level of umpiring through my 40 plus years on this planet has never gotten smarter. And they, the, the beanball rules put too much power in the hands of the umps to have common sense. And they've proven time and again, that they don't have common sense and the rule itself. Like you just proved the perfect example, Kyle, the rule quote unquote makes no sense because like, if you're going to say first pitch or first batter, he was intentionally throwing at the guy, then yeah, you literally just completely changed this entire game. Going back to what you're saying, Sam. Okay. So we can't throw inside. We, we have no inside corner now. It's just, if, if, if the, the umpires could be trusted with common sense, to have it and to use it, then it would be, I think, not as big of a thing. But it's stupid. It's I will say thing. the the one today he got it right. He warned both benches, and then when Brad Brock hit somebody, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. "No, I would help." And it was like ten nothing at that point. Yeah, but like you could see him, like, like no, he just sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's ten nothing. What are we getting upset about? Let's just get through this. We've all got a flight to catch. Yeah. You know, like he handled it very well. It's like, no, that's a slider. You know, like which is the exception of the rule, though. I got a kick out of Brock's reaction in the post game or whatever it was when they interviewed him. I saw the quote, and he said, "Do you really think I'm trying to hit anybody with the way I've been pitching lately?" (laughs) Yes, I know, Dolan. You've been you've been all all over the Brad Brock performance train. Where was Madden to protect him? Is what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, during that Joe on the, I did hear some of the pregame, and Joe was talking about. Coomer says to him something like, well, you know, uh, Brock had kind of a rough outing last night. And Joe's like, oh, I thought he really, though, he threw great. You know, just a couple. There was that one kind of a seeing eye hit. I'm like, no, they were blasting the ball all over the fucking park. <clears throat> the, they had to, the Colorado National Guard was sent to try to protect people with Brad Brock on the mound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does anybody want the Brad Brock update? Please. Uh, so in 26 in the third inning so far this year, 29 hits, 22 walks. Jeez. 51 base runners in 26 and a third innings. That's a whip of 1.94. But please like, keep running him out there as often like, as possible. I like your Schwarber updates, statistical updates, better than your Brad Brock. Yeah, those make me feel better than the Brad Brock ones. I don't know that Brad Brock will be around much longer. I just can't. Like, he, he'd have to be the first name on the chopping Man, I mean, doesn't he have to? I Obviously, Kinsler, that's who Kinsler was supposed to be playing catch with today. Right, yeah. Am I stealing your segue, Kyle, to Craig Kimbrell stuff? Am I no, like no, to step I, on it? I was I was about to lead right into it. Yeah, <laughs> I think Brock's at the the top of the the pecking order to be pushed off the ledge uh, once once Kimbrell's ready. Um, and I found it interesting, or not interesting, if you followed the way the Cubs have handled injuries the last couple of years, but the way the narrative has shifted with um how they're going to ramp up Kimbrel very quickly, June 20th, realistic goal. And then today it comes out that not until July, it's whatever. It's like you hear 10 different days in the span of one hour, whenever somebody is getting ready with to return from injury, or in this case, whatever it may be, free agent signing. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's awesome that he's coming. Um and I hope they just give a definitive date so we can stop doing this yo-yo on BleacherNation.com every morning. <laughs> Why are you reading this? <laughs> yeah, that's your own fault. Yeah, that, um, that's 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 on you. This this is a little this is a little bit uh, of of what I'd mentioned before the show, uh, Kyle. Like, what these guys are highly trained athletes that probably <laughs> haven't taken like honestly to get to that level. I'm sure that all these guys played fall ball, played winter ball, play. They probably haven't, most of these guys haven't taken more than a couple months off in their, the, probably their major league careers is when they were getting the most time off of baseball. And I'm not asking this sarcastically. I'm legitimately asking what, what was Harper doing? What was Machado doing? What was Kimbrell doing? What was Keiko doing? 
what were these guys doing in the like do, do you work with a trainer do you throw simulated games by yourself like do you pay a guy and like someone tweeted back at me dolan here you go someone tweeted back at me they're like you know would you really risk injuring yourself in a simulated game if you didn't have an employer i'm like yeah, that's a good point but don't I mean? Wouldn't you want to keep yourself? I don't know. I don't. I never was never a pitcher. Well, I, I mean, apparently, Kimbrel lives near some fancy prep school that has a really nice baseball facility, and okay. he was throwing there. So he was a lot. He was pitching to uh, some high school kid who I'm sure has now broken his left hand in 15 places. <laughs> right. And yeah. the best story he told was he also was uh, apparently he's got some kind of setup at his house where he can throw, and there was a guy. Somebody doing some work on his house, and um, Craig asked him if he would just stand in while he threw some pitches, oh. and the guy did. And Craig said the next day when he went down to do that, the guy had like propped up some wood <laughs> in a spot, like throw to this. Not, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> you terrorized me yesterday. I do not want to do that again. Well, Kyle, it's too bad that Harper actually ended up getting signed because I heard he was going to be on your 16 inch softball team. Yeah, summer. yep. Can can confirm those rumors. We had him signed up to hit. We had him ready to go. Falls on the Lakeshore Drive. Um, <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that makes me. And and like I, I'm not criticizing them either way. If they were, I'd be sitting on my ass waiting for someone. I come think it's just an extended off season yeah. training for them. I mean, these guys. All right. Ideally, your season ends at the end of October. They take November and December part of December off, and then they're. Working out, they're hitting in a cage or whatever. So I guess they just do that. Okay, so follow-up question. Who did these guys I, – I know all these guys all have a lot of money and they're all very wealthy and they could probably do this. Do, do a lot of these guys do that kind of stuff on their own before spring training starts? Or maybe I'm just naive and just assume that they just go home, hang out, and eat chips <laughs> they, they and then do. show up in April or, I, I or also, March. February. I also believe that – and maybe someone's heard different, but like – uh, Arizona's stadium, the the used to be the Bob Chase Field now, right? Yeah, uh, is actually very busy during the winter because everyone lives around Arizona, so they just like kind of keep their facilities open, and a lot of people just go and use that. Um, yeah, road trip next offseason, right? Uh, but like now, these guys all live by the spring training facility, right? So I guess they just go there. I don't know, but they do something. I think well, yeah, when Kimbrel will find out how long spring training should actually be because I know spring training does not need to be six weeks long. Sure. Here's another thing though. Like baseball is obviously, well, unless you're Kinsler and, and C-Sheck, like <laughs> someone to throw and catch a ball. And like, it's, it's not like there's, there's not a whole lot of baseball related activities that you can do by yourself. Um, and you know, so like if I'm, if I'm Baez and I'm one of the best players in baseball, and it's the off season. Is he like calling up Cole Hamels and being like, "Hey, you want to throw some BP to me?" On well, he's got a pitching machine somewhere, <laughs> right? Sure. I mean, whether at his house or some local facility. So sure. th- there's that. Well, I mean, apparently you guys do not subscribe to the Cubs YouTube channel because if yeah. you did, or the athletic. you would know what they do because they do they did these off season things. Um, so we know that um, Wilson Contreras rides horses with uh, Victor, <laughs> Victor Martinez. Martinez. That's what he does. <laughs> Um, we know that, uh, John Lester goes hunting by himself for mm-hmm. hours a day. And, um, what did Pedro, I forget what Pedro Strope did. He, I think he sat around and drank with guys. Right? Yeah, it seems like, seems like what you ought to do and what Pedro had the most fun. So put it all on his Instagram story I, while he was doing I, it. I think Pedro has the most fun regardless of what we're talking about. Whatever time frame, whatever activity, Pedro's this, this ahead of the game in most ways. Sorry. This also might go back to our conversation from whatever time ago that like these guys are the level of these athletes versus the level that I ever accomplished in my athletic career. Like I, I definitely would have taken advantage of spring training and needed all that stuff. These guys are really superhuman to an extent. And like, so maybe they just like, they don't, they don't need that. They, they they know it's like falling off a bike for them. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're Jeff Kent. Yes. Ah. Or a pickup he truck. He was washing his truck. Truck, pickup truck. I know. Right. Remember that. He was washing his truck. Just like Moises Alou fell off a treadmill. He did, <laughs> didn't blow out his knee playing basketball. He fell off a treadmill. Drunk. Well, yeah, so maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe that I just don't I can't even fathom. It's like trying to imagine the infinite nature of the universe. I can't understand 
how these guys can just be like, ah, oh, I'm ready. It's been a yes, couple. I've, I've often compared those two things. Well, yeah, yes, indeed. Also, Kim, all Kimbrel has to ramp up to is to come out and throw like 20 pitches. That's true. What a pussy. Now, now, now I know like he throws them at an exceptional <laughs> high velocity rate with a really snappy curveball, but like he's not prepping to like go seven innings. Like he's got to get his arm ready okay. to throw but, 60 pitches a week. Okay, but if I gave you three weeks to get prepared just to bend over as far as Kimbrel does before every pitch. Do you think you could do it? I could do the, I could do the bend over part. Yeah. Um, Couldn't get back up. I I, I, could bend over. The third time of the week, I don't know that I could get back up, but I certainly can't do any of the other things like involved involved throwing, but I, I, I I could do the bend over part. I think I have back problems, but I, I, you know, if I thought, if I thought Cubs fans were more creative, they would do something with the, you know, the way he sets up, because I, I, think, I think it's really cool. There's something like Flight of the Valkyries or something. I remember when Phillies fans would all get behind home plate and do it back at him. <laughs> um, but I don't trust Cubs fans' creativity. So Well, they're all too busy waiting to field line drives into the stands. So I- Right. <laughs> that's, that's clearly what they're – yeah. Okay, I'm well, going gonna, gonna, gonna to issue this challenge then. We have a week till the next podcast, give or take. Sam, I want you to in three times in the next week. I want you to get out there. No, no, you said you gave me three weeks to prepare to do that. I go to month. Agreed. And so I okay, so I'm gonna give you okay, no, no, but you have to start ramping yourself up. So (laughs) three sixty sixty Craig Kimbrell, not even deliveries, pre-delivery pre-delivery motions. Poses. See how you feel next week. Okay. (laughs) So Kimbrell is Kimbrell has picked a different intro song in each of the three cities he's pitched in. He started with Welcome to the Jungle in Atlanta, and I don't remember yeah. that. So what should he pick for the Cubs? I think I think the natural one would be Alive by Juliana's Opus. Well, we know it's open uh, now. Yes. Don't even joke about that. That's not funny. <laughs> well, no. The what did he use in Boston? Do we know what he used in Boston? Mm. No, probably something would, would have made the segment better if I actually looked at. Yes, if you'd actually, if you'd actually done your research, I just know it wasn't. Welcome to the jungle. He, I, I was just so excited about his. Thank God it wasn't dirty water. water. Right, not no. They use that. They he can't because that's what they play when they win. Um, right. He can't use Pearl Jam. What? Why? Because everyone else uses goddamn Pearl Jam. God. And uh, he yeah. has to pick something like that's not like like it's got to be like a not a B side, but it can't be like track one of whatever album it's off of oh he went the he went the nuge it was uh he stranglehold ted nugent uh, that's uh, what he used in boston yeah that, that's okay as far as songs go not songwriter yeah. yeah that's a good opening riff yeah the hawks used that they've been uh, using that for, they never change anything there um okay he has to use youth gone wild there by skid row <laughs> hmm or 18 in life. I don't know why. Maybe you use 18 in life. I don't know. Did we run out of steam? Is that it? Is that what yeah. happens? We all kind of just stare at each other? Okay. Exa- that's exactly what happens. Okay. Smashing Pumpkins. We could, a Smashing Pumpkins intro, intro would be not bad. We really want to encourage. I don't think we need to give Billy, Billy Corrigan. Corrigan any more encouragement to be Billy Corrigan. God damn. I am disliking the direction of this podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I am as big a fan as you will find of Smashing Pumpkins' first two albums. I told Billy Corrigan that once. <laughs> um, but after that, yeah, I don't... He's a little too Billy Corrigan these no, days. I feel like you bald guys all have each other. Shouldn't you love Moby and Dale Swain and Billy No, Corrigan? we're all at odds with each other. There isn't... <laughs> Moby and Dale Swain. The only, the only bald hey, guy hey, I'd get along with is Maynard James Keenan, and that's, that's about it, so... Um, but I would, I could, I, I could get some early smashing pumpkins. If he, if he goes early smashing pumpkins, I'm all for it. Yeah. Let me, let me amend my statement. If he goes, uh, you know, anything melancholy or after I'm I'm out of here. There's plenty of openings and melancholy that would be, I should plenty. Gish is all walk up music. Yeah. And is that speaking of old, that album's like 35 years old. Someone, someone tweet this at uh at uh our boy and Kimbrel and see if he uh. <laughs> and our, he's our boy. Yeah, he's now our boy. Yeah, we because picked- I'm gonna bend over like him six <laughs> yes, times a week. Yes, yeah, so we picked his walk up music. We figured out his off season regimen, and now we have uh and and uh Sam's gonna be the next Kimbrel. <laughs> Ready to go.
It's tougher on the shoulders, actually, than it is <laughs> on the back. You've already hurt yourself. <laughs> no, I was just noticing. Like, yeah, that's right now. It's that's like, the part you have to loosen up that you wouldn't think about is the shoulders, not the true. back. Very true. Did we get to four topics? Is we did. We've exhausted we did. them. We've exhausted oh, them. Okay. That's all we can we do. The audience. We've exhausted the topics and the audience. Now, do you end with the way you're beginning? It just cuts off like a Bernardo piece on Deadspin. This vlog is over. and Usually yeah. one of us. Give it the old Forrest Gump. Uh, That's all we have to say about that. And it ends. Okay. I like it. Well, very heavily produced. Well-oiled machine. Uh, we did, Mike. We forgot to do something. Introduce ourselves other than Sam. I feel like people know who we are. No, not that. The thing we talked about right before we went on that we were going to do during the first break, but we didn't really take oh, a break. Well, I kind of advertised myself. I have to look up the moral rule or the ethical rules of legal procedure before I start plugging my... That's a thing? Yeah, we have all sorts of advertising ethics. You know what, Scrit? If anyone needs any, if you're still listening at this point, you clearly need to buy or sell a home. So just go ahead and reach out to. I'm going to start being better about marketing myself. Does anyone know I'm a real estate lawyer? Tweet at. They do, they if, do now. Yeah, exactly. Tweet at me if you need it. I'm uh, transactional law, transactional real estate law, leases, transactions, all kinds of stuff. And I'm not Richard fucking Ankin or whatever his name is. He doesn't even know how to hold a that <laughs> yes that guy's i'm never going to be next to javi Baez or wilson Contreras and some of the more uncomfortable reads yes and it's not it really has nothing to do with wilson Contreras. it's just like this has nothing to do with anything why did you need wilson Contreras for this i i, I don't understand like anything that's shot by the local cable company i don't he wanted um, to show how successful he was that he could it's always car salesmen and lawyers who feel like they have to be in their own ads like yeah. that's not gonna make you make me want to <laughs> give me, give you my business. Like, except seeing for Howard Ankin up there with his dorky wow. ass face. Howard like, Ankin. no. Except for me, because I'm very charming. So, yes, you know, clearly. You and Peter Francis Jerry. Yeah. Your wherewithal just drips through the screen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I forgive you now for your Madden comments. Fair enough. I always can find my way out of a jam. <laughs> All right. The end. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks guys. Good. Good job, guys. And cut and scene. We'll be even better next week. Nope. Nope. Probably not. <laughs> Disagree.